0: I absolutely love that we have values at this church that says the gospel is our priority and people are our purpose. And when you mix the two of those things together, you get neon Halloween, man. I'm telling you, God did some amazing things last weekend. If you were not here for that, be very ashamed, all right, that you missed it. Uh, Because man, God did some amazing things. Uh, I know right here in Lithopolis, we had 20 people that gave their life to Christ. In Lancaster, I haven't heard the official number, but I know that I saw some people that gave their life to Christ there last weekend. And uh, man, I'm telling you, it's just a great opportunity for church peoples, for Christian um, to step over the line when so many people think that Halloween is just that time where you can't do anything. Well, we can leverage that to see people ultimately give their life to Jesus Christ. So it was a pleasure. It was an honor. Thank you, servant leaders, everybody from our two-year-olds all the way up to everybody in our auditoriums today heard the exact same message about a haunted heart, so I just want to give it up to all of our, our kids, our youth, our adult, everybody that had a plan to do with it, you guys did amazing, so thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart, and if you guys don't know me yet, my name is Rick Jones, I'm one of the pastors here at X Church, and uh, man, I'm telling you, I'm just excited to be here, I had one of those moments uh, very recently where Pastor Tim and I were working out, if you can't tell, I do that all the time, um, I haven't been able to do it for the last couple of days because I've like, been preparing to speak and everything. So if you include those two days, it's like two or three years. You know what I mean? If you include those two days, um, so don't hate, all right? It's a problem. Anyway, Pastor Tim and I were working out, and he was like, hey, do you want to? And I was like, yes, absolutely. I want to preach. Uh, I want to have the opportunity to share God's word in every possible way. But then I always thought that there would be a follow-up sentence with that that said, hey, this is what I want you to preach on. This, this is the scripture that you should use. This is where we're going. This is the sermon series that we're in. This is what we're doing. And he walked away. And I was like, what? And he looked back and he was like, preach what's on your heart. And it's like the five scariest words that any pastor like me could ever hear. Because there's something about when you prepare a message, when you have the opportunity to say, man, uh, it's really easy to talk about what you guys should do. But sometimes it's very self-reflective to go, man, in my life my heart, my situation, my circumstance, this is what I need to do, and I need to tell everybody about it, man, it's a little bit scary. So I started looking at my life and just looking, like, where we are as a family, where we are just uh, everywhere, and I just want to take a quick time out because I have the mic and I can do this. It is my mine and my wife's anniversary, our three-year anniversary today. (laughs) Happy anniversary, babe. To put it in sports uh, context, I outkicked my coverage, all right? She is... She is way better than me. I married up. I suggest that and hope that you did the same. Um, so with, with all of that, I wanted to look at my life and just kind of see what that looks like. Because, man, honestly, our life is so busy. Put your hand in the air real quick if you're like, man, my life is just busy. Everything, every minute of every day seems like it's planned out. Uh, we have two girls. Uh, a son that's in the air force at shepherd air force base right now in texas doing some training and then our, our girls uh they just got done with cheerleading for football just got done with volleyball ava just started basketball again this week for the next season to come and it just feels like everything that we do is like we go to work we come home for work we got to figure this out we got going to do this she's got to cook or i got to do this and it, it's always super super busy and to be honest with you, there is a season of life where you make the decision to ultimately be busy. And I know we have this conversation, my wife and I, all the time, where it's like, man, maybe next season will be a little bit slower. And then we make the dumb decisions to go, nope, we're going full throttle, right back at it, all the sports, everything. And, man, it's just coming so fast. It's like three weeks from right now, Thanksgiving, which includes Black Friday shopping, the whole nine yards. And then, of course, I'm going to say this, less than two months till Christmas, And I know some of the moms in here, not the dads, but the moms had a little bit of an anxiety right there um, just to know that Christmas is coming up so fast. It feels like summer was just right here. But we all make decisions in our life, and I want to put a uh, numerical value to that. So I'm going to ask you a question, and I'm, the question that I'm going to ask is how many decisions that you make through the course of a week. I'm going to count to three, and then I want you guys to decide that. Now, of course, these decisions come from breakfast to lunch to dinner to what you're going to wear to what your kids are going to wear to school activities, and if you're going to sign them up for this sport, and everything in between, all right? So on the count of three, give me a numerical number of how many decisions that you make through the course of a week. One, Two, three. I, I heard 10 and I heard 1,000, all right? Um, and the 10 definitely had to come from a guy. Um, that is for sure. It's like, what decision am I going to make? I, I don't even know what decision I'm going to make unless I have to make it. Life or death decision, I'm not going to do it. Um, but then honestly, honestly, it does feel like 1,000 decisions are being made. And to be honest with you, some of those decisions are simple. It's like Pop-Tart or cereal. Right, But then some of the bigger decisions is like, man, what am I going to do with my life? Well, am I going to apply for this college? Am I going to take this advance in my company? Should I continue to press in on this company and, and try to lean forward? What, what, is God, what does God have for me today? Maybe you're even here today and you don't know exactly what it is, but you know that your life isn't exactly where it should be. So you just continue to lean in and you continue to make the decision to say, God, what do you, what do you have for me? Why is this life so hectic? Why is it so busy. And if we were all completely honest today, I think if I would sit down with each and every one of you, at the end of our conversation, we would come across and say, I want clarity. I want clarity in those decisions. I want clarity to make the best decisions so that my kids can progress and have the best life that they possibly can. God, I want to have the best everything that I could ever do. So God, what decisions do you have for me? God, I've come to church before, and you said that you have a plan and a purpose for me, but I feel like my life is just spiraling out of control. God, I want some clarity. So if you're here today and you have your Bibles, we're going to look at a story that I want to share um, some basic principles with. And don't get me wrong, I'm not going to give everybody a pill, and at the end of this you can take the pill and go, oh, I have perfect clarity in every decision that I need to make. Sometimes getting clarity comes in a process, not in immediacy form. So today, we're going to look at Mark chapter 8 and verse 22. Mark, verse, Mark chapter 8, verse 22. And if you have your Bibles, uh, real quick, uh, go ahead and open to that. Or if you have your electronic device that glows, make sure you charge that thing. And uh, go ahead and open to Mark chapter 8 and verse 22. I'm going to ask everybody to stand to their feet. Go a little old school while we read God's word together today. You guys doing good? All right. If you're there, say, I'm there. If you're not... We will put it on the Sky Bible for you and we'll be good to go, okay? Mark chapter 8, verse 22, it says, And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a man, brought him a blind man, and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And we had spit on his eyes and laid hands on him. He asked, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again. And he had opened his eyes, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him home saying, do not even enter the village. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, thank you for today. I thank you for every person that is going to be honest in this moment and say that that they need clarity. God, and I, I just hope that when they leave this place today, that they would have the opportunity to know that it comes through a process. God, and as we walk that process out, let their minds be clear and their hearts be open to receive this word today. God, I ask today that you just transform and touch the lives of the people that I can hear my voice inside of this room right here in Lithopolis and, of course, at our campus in Lancaster. God, we love you. We thank you. It is in your name that we pray. And all of God's people said? Amen. Amen. You guys can go ahead and grab a seat. Mark chapter 8. Man, this is the two-touch miracle. This is the miracle where Jesus touches somebody twice and I don't know if you've ever seen this before or done this before it messes a little bit with your theology because it's like two touches Jesus are you glitching what's going on with your powers why did it take you two touches and if you've ever encountered Jesus before trust me you know that it only takes one touch It only takes one touch to come in here to hear God's word, to know that that the Holy Spirit is speaking directly to you. It changes something inside of you and you leave this place going, oh my goodness, I had absolute clarity in what that is. And man, I am on fire. Jesus did this all the time. Did you know that there was 37 miracles that are recorded in the Bible? The touch of Jesus's hands doing something amazing. Every one of those miracles were one touch. Some of them, it didn't even take a touch. Jesus uh, raised his best friend Lazarus from the grave by simply shouting, Lazarus, get up. It didn't take more than one touch when Jesus saw a funeral happening by a young boy and his mom is taking him to the cemetery to bury him. Jesus walks up on the funeral and touches the casket and the boy is the only boy to have a funeral at 3 p.m. and go home and play Fortnite in the evening. Right? Like it only takes one touch. There was a moment where, the, where Jesus didn't even touch this woman and she pressed her way through the crowd and ended up touching the hem of Jesus' garment. And just through that, she got healed. Trust me, it only takes one touch by our Lord and Savior to change everything in your life. But in this story, in Mark chapter 8, it takes two. Jesus, what are you trying to show us here? What, what, what is going on? So, today I wanted to take it one step further and give you guys an illustration for what this looks like. Because honestly, if our God is shooting free throws and kicking field goals, he doesn't miss. But it says that some people brought a blind man to Jesus. Some people brought a blind man to Jesus. Oh, would you look there? Some people brought a blind man. To Jesus. huh? So um, real quick, I am the executive producer of this illustration. Um, So as that, I get to pick the cast. So for this, I have picked Pastor Kevin to be some people. Everybody give it up for Pastor Kevin. And then for the blind man, I have picked uh, my guy, Scott Spencer. Everybody give it up for Scott. Before this illustration goes any further, what I want to do real quick is just explain something. Right, Because this miracle would have never have happened, never, if some people didn't bring the blind man. Oh, I'm getting excited about this message, and I I think I'm preaching better than what you guys are talking right now. Because some people had to bring a blind man to Jesus. Right, And maybe you're not physically blind, maybe you're spiritually blind, but ultimately at the end of the day, some people had to know the wherewithal to say, hey, I don't know what to do, but I know a guy that does. I don't know what's going on in your life, and I don't know what kind of clarity you need, but I'm going to bring you to church. I'm going to bring you to church on Neon Halloween. I'm going to take it one step further than anything that I've got, because what I've got won't heal you, but I know a guy that will. Some people brought a blind man. I want to thank you, blind man. For coming because honestly you could have stayed backstage you didn't have to let some people lead you out here but you did and in in that immediacy in that very beginning moment of everything the miracle of this the two-touch miracle has already begun through some people grace has already started working in his life through the simple fact of him letting some people lead him to Jesus guess what his heart is already open and ready to receive a miracle. Man, I'm telling you, there is something today about some people bringing a blind man to Jesus. So I want to thank you, some people. Can we all give it up for Kevin today? Thank you, some people, for bringing. <laughs> Just stay here, Scott. Okay. You can't see anything, right? I can't see. No. You can't see. I mean, you can see, but with this right, no. incredibly lacy-looking thing, that, courtesy of my wife, <laughs> um, that you were able to, to wear this. Yep, he said that's right. He said that's right. Um, So real quick, because you can't see anything, I want you guys to see this, that he is experiencing the vulnerability of being blind. The simple vulnerability of being blind means you have to listen to the some people that are around you. You have to. If if they say your hair is blonde, you have to listen. What are you going to do, research it? They could say, take 10 steps forward, Scott, and you're going to receive a blessing. <laughs> they could tell him anything. They could say, hey, here's a cup of poison. It's a, new, it's a new drink that Starbucks put out. He would have to believe it. They could tell him that the sky is pink. They could tell him that, that everything that he has grown up doing is right there on the platter. Isn't it interesting that even a baby in the mother's womb at 18 weeks, their ears begin to develop. They can hear their mom. They can hear their dad. And even in the infancy stages, you can hear the voices of those around you. And to some people that are here today, those very words are what's shaping your life today. Maybe somebody told you when you were younger that you were dumb. And look at you today. You're smart. You've got more degrees than a thermometer. But, man, there's still those simple words that haunt you about being dumb when you were little. And it says that these some people brought a blind man to Jesus. I have humbly cast myself as Jesus in this illustration. (laughs) I have the mic, I can be the Messiah. Um, So they brought him, and I think that it was interesting that they begged Jesus to do what? To touch him. Even they knew the brand identity of Jesus is the touch and then the healing. But I love that Jesus did not touch his eyes and begin to heal him. He grabbed him by the hand. And he began to lead him out of the city of Bethsaida on a journey. Now real quick, one thing that I want you to see while we stand here, there's something about the presence of Jesus that will lead you out of your comfort zone. It will lead you out of the place where people have taken you. It will begin to change the voices that you have heard before. And ultimately, in this illustration, I want you to see this. I would love to have been a fly on the wall to hear this conversation. To say, come with me. Your hair's not blonde, it's black. It's got a little bit of gray, but (laughs) you're not dumb, you're my child. You were made with a purpose. You were made with intention. You were made with something that is so much greater than me. Come on, just follow me. I'll continue to lead you exactly where you need to be. And in this moment, Jesus takes this man out of the village. And one thing that I want to share with you real quick is that verse that you've always heard so many times before, it just comes right here. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. What does it look like when Jesus Jesus leads you out of your comfort zone, of the city that you grew up in, around the voices that you've heard for your entire life? It's going to feel a little bit awkward. It's going to feel probably a lot like Scott does in this moment, right? But one thing that I want to share with you today is my first point. Your village affects your vision your village affects your vision you know there's there's one thing that that I just want to share with everybody because there's something that happens when you're around people you become those people are are we right can we agree to that for one second Uh, have you ever been around somebody that lights up a room when they leave Just a negative forecast on everything that they've ever done, right? It's like, oh my goodness, like, would you please just get away from me? You're the most negative person in the world, right? There's just something about negativity that happens. And and ultimately, I see Jesus taking this guy out of the village because he knew that if he gave this guy new eyes, it would be affected by the negativity that's around him. I saw this play out just a couple weeks ago. Uh, Our girls, they get a couple days off of school. And uh, if, if you live around this area, you know that it's for the fair. I personally hate the fair, right? I hate it. It is the worst. But my girls love the fair, and everybody talks about getting two days off for the fair. So guess where we go? The fair! It's great! And the girls are so pumped up, and I'm just negative. The whole time, I'm like, oh my goodness, we got to park way down the road at a school that we're not probably supposed to park at. And then we have to walk like a mile to get in. And then we have to wait in line to buy the tickets. And then we have to actually go in and it, we wait in line with the 200th person in line to get the wristband where they can ride for free. And it only costs like $6,000. And then you wait in line and they, they go through everything and they just walk around every corner like they're with new eyes. They're like, oh my goodness, what is that? Deep fried Oreos? I didn't even know that you could deep fry Oreos. And I'm like, that's 6,000 calories. We're not buying it. It's 20 bucks. We're not buying it. Not gonna happen. Oh my goodness, look how big that Ferris wheel is. No, we're not getting on that Ferris wheel. I have a pretty good idea of who built that Ferris wheel. It's not gonna happen, right? <laughs> Safety first, right? Like, that's what I always say. Safety first. I don't think I always say that, but for this illustration, I do. <laughs> There's so many things that happen, but man, it's negative. If you surround yourself with negative people, guess what you're gonna be? You're gonna be negative. Man, there is just something that happens when you're surrounded by negative people. And then ultimately, they were in Bethsaida. They were in Bethsaida. If you go on a trip, don't ever let your travel agent book you to Bethsaida. (laughs) Did you know that Bethsaida, Jesus even hated that city? And it's quiet in here because you're like, wait a minute. Jesus hated a city? I want to show you this. I had never seen this before. Matthew Chapter 11, they'll put it up behind you. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 20. It says, doom you, Chorazan, and doom Bethsaida. If Tyre and Sidon had seen half of the powerful miracles that you have seen, you would have, they would have been on their knees in a minute. This is the city of unbelief. Jesus doesn't want to heal you when you're surrounded by the village of people that you're in. Your village will affect your vision. And then what did Jesus do? Not once, but twice. There was two eyes. So you're going to have to bear with me for a couple seconds as I get this up and make sure. And he's, I'm not going to spit on you. I'm not going to spit on you, but you might want to keep that mask on just in case. It says that Jesus spit on this man. Have you ever read the Bible and just go on, for what? It's like, Jesus, why are you spitting on people? That's unsanitary. That's just nasty. It's like, Jesus, are you spitting on people because you're sick? Or is it because you're compassionate? Could it be possible or even plausible that in this time, in the Bible days, that spit actually had medicinal value. That there was something to spit that was almost to the point of, man, I, I have to have something. You see, there is something about spit in Bible days where they believed that there was absolute purpose and power. And you know what kind of annoys me about some people that come to church? It annoys me when people come in and they know all the verses, they know all the scripture, they know how to judge you and why to judge you and where to judge you, but they don't know spit. (laughs) They come in here, they know all the worship songs, they know when to raise their hands, but they don't know spit, S-P-I-T, spit. They don't know spit. Could it be that Jesus goes, man, you know what, there's no healing power in spit, I know that, the power's in me. But if this guy believes that there's power in spit, I will spit so good in your face. There's a moment where Jesus kneels down and he says, I'm going to meet you at your current place of belief. And if that's in spit, I will cross that bridge and meet you exactly where you are. And I want you to see this today, that spit doesn't just stand for what you think of saliva and germs and nasty and unsanitary. But I see spit As the starting point into truth. Can we be a church, ex-church, that people walk in, they don't like our worship music, they hate my preaching, it's okay, Pastor Tim will be back soon. (laughs) But when they leave this place, could they go, man, I got the best hug that I've ever gotten. There was a whole army full of people in the ex-kids wing that just loved my kids and cared for my kids and showed me who Jesus was. Man, can we just say for one second that we can kneel down and find a place of spit that this happened? You see, Jesus wasn't just doing this to be nasty. Mark chapter 9, there was a deaf guy, very similar to this situation. Jesus takes the guy out of the village, spits on his finger, puts it right in the guy's ear, and then touches his tongue. Guess what? The guy can hear, the guy can talk. The power wasn't in the spit. The power was simply meeting him where he was. John chapter 9, there was another blind man where Jesus spit in the dirt, made a mud pie, and then began to rub it in his eyes. And if you just step back for a minute, and you've probably all heard that story before, but if you just step back and you see a blind man, number one. Number two, you see Jesus making some dirt and then rubbing it in the guy's eyes. That's like a violent scene, like somebody's going to call the cops on you. Like something is not right in that moment, right? But in this Jesus said the most gangster thing that I've ever heard. He says, Go wash that off, call me in the morning, let me know what happened. There is something about spit, something about getting down to the point where people believe. And whatever we can do to get there, we're gonna do it. So Jesus spits, touches this guy's eyes, and then he asks him a question. And it's funny that Jesus even asked a question, because how many times do you know when Jesus asks a question, the question, the answer is not for him, it's for you. He says, do you see anything? Now, this guy at this time doesn't even look like the Messiah. He looks like a magician where he does a card trick, and he's like, is this your card? Do you see anything? Such an interesting question. And I ultimately think that this is something that we can take with us today. Do you see anything? Is the current position of your life a little bit blurry? Is the very things that you're looking for and searching for and hoping for maybe not as clear as it once was? There's a condition, but there's ultimately a question that Jesus asked to say, will you be honest about your blurry condition? Would you be honest enough to say, Jesus, I can see, but, but it's not that clear. God, God, help me find this. You know what actually annoys me more than anything else is when people, you know that they can't see, but they pretend like they have it all worked out. And they feel like God speaks to them about everything, every time during the day. It's some church people that have been in church for a long time, and it's like, Jesus told me to wear this hoodie today. Jesus told me to wear these polka dot socks. Jesus told me to turn left at the traffic light. Jesus told me to go straight down this way and I would receive a blessing. I'm like, Jesus told you all that before 6 a.m. <laughs> to me it's blurry. I'm trying to make a decision. And ultimately at the end of the day, I'm like, what's going on? It's blurry. God, you've been there before, but right now, it's blurry. And I want you to see this because even to the disciples, right before this, it was blurry. Jesus took some fish and chips and fed a whole bunch of people. Fed 5,000 people the first time, 4,000 people the second time. The disciples are on a boat with one loaf of bread and they look at Jesus and say, Jesus, you think this is enough bread? And Jesus is like, I'm about to kill all of you. I'm about to pull the plug on this boat and let it go down. It's like, how many people did I feed the first time? 5,000. How many people did I feed the second time? 4,000. I think we're good. But it's blurry. There's, there's a little bit of a thing that I see in blurry where blurry is a blessing. Write that down. Blurry is a blessing. There's something about a picture that hasn't fully loaded. There's something about a situation that makes you pray. It makes you lean in. It says, God, I don't know the answer, but God, I'm trusting you. I, I've, God, I need you in this situation. God, would you help me find clarity in this situation? Blurry is a blessing and if there's anybody that I meet when I get to heaven, I want it to be this guy for saying thank you so much for being honest because isn't it interesting that his honesty about not seeing clearly is ultimately what got him clarity? Is there anybody here today that can say God, I can see but I can't see clearly. Jesus took this man from blind to blurry and he did it on purpose from blind to blurry and he did it on purpose and at this point of the illustration this is where we're all supposed to say let's pray thank you Scott and thank you this and we're we're supposed to be good to go right because here it is the spit the touch and then this guy is supposed to say hallelujah and the, the gospel choir starts behind him and man we're just pumped up and ready to go he leaves and everybody's good but I think it's interesting what the man says. What did you say? I see people. And they, Hold on. You see people. I see people. Okay, you see people. And they look like trees walking around. And they look like trees. That's interesting. Don't you think? You see what? People. And they look like? Trees. Hold on. They, they look like. How does a blind man have context to know what anything looks like? like how did he know what trees look like you see the beauty of this story this isn't a man that has been blind from birth this is a guy that lost his sight and his sight is restored he lost his sight a long time ago probably some time after he saw trees he went from blind to blurry and he came back to the moment where he said that he saw trees, trees. You see, that didn't make any sense to me. Why in the world would this man see people when they look like trees? Real quick, I wanna show you just an illustration. Because his, his sight is restored, it's not received for the first time. Sight, it's a blind, blind, to blurry, blurry, back to sight. I'm gonna say this a couple times till you get it. Sight to blind, blind to blurry, blurry back to sight. I feel a mixtape. Sight to blind, blind to blurry, blurry back to sight. Hey, join in. Sight to blind, blind to blurry, blurry, back to sight. One more time, sight to blind, blind to blurry, blurry, back to sight. Thank you, Scott, you can go back. Can we all give it up for Scott real quick? Look at your neighbor, look at somebody sitting around and say, I've seen this before. This is a pattern that seems so familiar. This is a two-touch miracle that didn't make sense to me my entire life. I'm one of those weird guys that believes every word in the Bible is there for a specific reason. The guy opened his eyes and said that that he sees trees. Sight to blind, blind to blurry, blurry back to sight. Where does that fit in? Let me introduce two more characters into this story called Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were were born with perfect sight with clarity of everything they needed in the garden of Eden what brought them blindness? a tree Paul writes and says that the sins of this world have blinded us and it is the human condition and then blurry because of that sin because of all of the sin that entered in the world through Adam and Eve through that one act of disobedience There was a Messiah that was promised. And yes, of course, Moses frees people out of Egypt and they walk across dry land through the Red Sea, but it's blurry. And of course, Noah saves humanity and a whole bunch of animals on an ark, but it's blurry. And of course, David defeats the Goliath, but it's blurry. God, what are you trying to show me here today? God, what are you trying to help? And then all of humanity gets saved and restored on Christmas when Jesus comes in the form of human, lives a perfect life for your sins and for mine, and dies on a tree. Sight to blind, blind to blurry, and blurry back to sight. I want you to see this in John chapter 9. It says, then Jesus told him, I have come into the world to give sight to those who are spiritually blind and to those who think that they can see that they are blind. You see, one thing that I want to share with you today, the very last thing that Jesus tells this blind guy is he says, go home. So the blind guy even has a home. And it's not in Bethsaida. He says, don't even go back to that city. Jesus was not playing about that city. Do not go back to Bethsaida. Restoration requires redirection. If you're searching for clarity in your life, trust me, you're not going to find it by doing the same old, same old. I was with a group of friends, and we were talking about the definition of insanity. And we went back and forth about what it looks like. And we ended up finding that there was a quote that says, you literally do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. How many times have you asked the exact same question that you're asking today? How many times have you circled around the mountain and said, God, this next season, it'll get a little bit better. We're not going to change anything, but it's going to get better. I know that it will by faith. But faith without action is dead. So what does this look like Today, Would you stand with me today? Both of our locations, if you could stand with us. And I'm going to ask, when I pray for the prayer team to come down front, any staff members that would come down front too, that would be amazing. Because I want to do something different. If restoration requires redirection, I want to do something different. Today, if you're here and you're searching for clarity, and you're searching for that thing in your life that just Absolutely doesn't make sense. Would you be the some people? Would you be the blind man? Would you be the some people that grabs the hand of somebody that might be spiritually blind or lacking clarity in one shape or another? And we're going to open up the old-fashioned subwoofer altar. And I'm going to ask for you to come down. We're going to sing a song called Sea of Victory. I don't know about you, but I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be the blind man that says, God, I can see, but I can't see clearly. God, I have been touched, and I need touched again. I need the second touch from you today, Jesus, that brings me clarity. I need the second touch from you in all of the situations and circumstances that I'm in in my life. I need clarity. God, would you bring it today? So in just a couple moments when we pray, I'm just going to ask you, As uncomfortable as you might feel in this moment doing it, I'm going to ask you to come down front. We're going to have a bunch of people down here to be able to pray with you today. And then when we begin to sing, I'm going to ask you to step out of your seats and come down here if you need a second touch today. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to worship you, to trust you. God, even when times of our life that seem so blurry, that God, that that blurry is a blessing. It is teaching something. It's manifesting something inside of our lives. God, would you work a miracle in us? God, would you do something that is so far beyond anything that we could ever ask or imagine? Because it's your power that's working in us, not ours. God, today, help me to be like the blind man and just be honest about my lack of clarity. God, today, for those of us that need a touch from you or maybe need a second touch, God, I ask that you do what only you could do through the honesty of the people that are going to walk out in just a few moments down to the front. God, we love you. We thank you. It is in all of God's people said, amen.